from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Now, I do that live every time on my soundboard because I have no idea how to put all that together as one entity so I can just not do anything. Well, the irony is to do it live anyway, so it works out in that for that particular clip. And it's like it's living on the edge, man, the way radio was supposed is meant to be. That's right. We're not on radio. This is podcasting. But as per the discussion we had downstairs... In our building, uh, podcasting is going to overtake radio. That's my, um, uh, like, put radio out of business Yeah, is what I mean. Well, and there's even, there's getting to be some radio stations now that are actually broadcasting podcasts. Um, like, they'll have an hour where they just play someone's podcast. Right. Um, so, And then a lot of them podcast the broadcast. Right. How about that? <laughs> That's fancy. So I think the radio sees the writing on the wall. Maybe. Not a lot of writing in radio or podcasting. <laughs> Definitely not ours. Certainly not. I was going to say, you, you beat me to it. I was going to say, certainly not this show. All right. Have I got a test for you? Oh, God. I'm going to see how just really, ultimately, how sick you are. <laughs> so it's Sunday, as per usual. Yes. And you are recording 19 games. Yes. Uh, I'm assuming you're recording your Cowboys. Yes. Uh, for better or for worse. Uh, hopefully, typically for worse. Hopefully we'll be out of here by the time the Steelers start. They got moved to a primetime game. They did. So I don't know why we're not talking about anything yet because I'm trying to get out of here and see that game. <laughs> um, are you, you do not record basketball. Um, Ever or today? Generally. Generally, no. Okay. Maybe they, if it was some big playoff game. And I was going to be out then maybe, but even then probably not. Okay. And definitely not baseball. No, never. I mean, if the Rangers were in the World Series, maybe, but. I can't imagine a better way to watch baseball than sped up <laughs> three times on my DVR. Well, yeah, the actual, the action of the game would take about 30 minutes. Wow. <laughs> That's how it should happen. Yeah. Uh, soccer? No? No. Uh, I won't watch that in any form. <laughs> MMA sometimes if it's on for free? No. Nah. No? I've never gotten into the MMA, MMA. Boxing? I mean, if boxing was ever actually on regular TV, in fact, I will record it sometimes when it's on regular TV. Right. But usually if it's regular TV, it's not a How about match you want to see. the President's Cup? So I wanted to, because I thought, oh, you know, the finals are always on Sunday, final round or final day, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And so I will often record that. That and the Ryder Cup I will record on Sunday so I can watch them either alternating or in conjunction or, or right before or right after I watch football. Um, so in this case, this year I did not. Not by, just by my mistake, basically. Yeah, it, the, the final is on Sunday. <laughs> the problem is right. the final is in Australia. Yeah. So it's Australia's Sunday, not <laughs> ours. And I only know this from the Australian Open, but the Australian Open always starts on Monday, which is 6 p.m. Sunday here. Right. Right. So I could have recorded it last night had I known. So 
the, now why in the world would I, I'm sure there's myriad golf podcasts, and I use that word correctly, nailed it. <laughs> you don't say a myriad of. I thought you were going to, see, I, I have made that mistake. I thought you were going to say, I'm sure there were many, many tennis events we could be talking about today. No, there's none. Uh, no. I, there yes, are none. Definitely not. Um, might be the only Suarez week. Navarro retired also, by the way. So I had to throw it out in there. Is that what our focus of the show is going to be? Not at all. <laughs> I just want, that's an addendum to last week's podcast with Wozniacki. Uh, this may be the only week in the whole calendar where there's not a tennis tournament. So why would I bring up golf besides the fact that we have a nothing? I mean, boring. Nothing to talk about. And here's the reason. Have you seen any footage of any part of any of it, of the rider of the President's Very Cup? All right. Well, first of all, the President's Cup is America versus the world except Europe. <laughs> I know, right? And I didn't even know that. I knew it was America versus the world. I didn't realize Europe was excluded. Right. Because Ryder Cup is America versus yeah, Europe. Which I guess that makes sense. Right. So now Ryder Cup is much older than the President's Cup. I'm just trying to stop you for a second. Uh-oh. Could we do tennis, America versus the world, and actually have a chance if Europe was excluded? If it had tanks involved. <laughs> We're good at tanks. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking if they had no none of the Europeans, that's all the best players. So it'd be our bad players versus the world's bad players. Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> so here, here's the point, though, is here's the, the footage I want you to locate, if you can. One of the American golfers. I'm going to say I've heard about a few things. Matt Matt Kuchar. He's oh he's a forty. I think he's forty one, and he's still out there getting after it. Right. Lifetime sport. <laughs> so he's uh he's on seventeen. They play eighteen holes in golf. <laughs> so he's on hole seventeen, and if you win a hole, so they're playing match play. So it's Matt Kuchar against one other guy, and they're just playing the hole, and if and if our guy makes it into the hole and less strokes than the other guy, we win the hole. And we just get a, a one hole. It doesn't matter if you won it by 50 or won it by one. It's one hole. Right. So at the end of the match, all you have to do is be leading by one hole out of those 18. Because a lot of the holes, they tie. They both make it in four. They both make it in three, whatever. So at the end of the match, if you're up, you get a team point. If you're tied... They don't have a playoff. You're just, it's a half point for each team. Right. So it was, so the thir 30 points is the total for the weekend. That's the total amount of points available. So obviously 15 and a half wins. Well, don't they have, there's got to be, there's something just, oh no, I guess it can end in a tie. It doesn't. Because it, it has once. Right. right. Yeah. And what happens is whoever has the President's Cup keeps it. Yeah. So so if you if you won last time and get a tie it's sort of like winning although it's still not great. But anyway, yeah. so so Kuchar is on 17. There's a couple other matches going on on other holes. But America is sitting at 15 points. And international, the world or whatever they're called are sitting at 14, I think. And so Kuchar's about to make a putt for a birdie, and if he does, then the best that other guy could do would be to tie him on 18 if he won, you know, because 
Cooch is about to go up a hole. Yeah. And if he's up a hole with only one hole left, then the best the guy could do is tie him. Right. Gives us a half point. So it would be over win. no matter what. Right. So he's got to make this birdie putt to get in that position to be guaranteed a minimum of, minimum of half a point. So Tiger Woods is our captain. He's the captain of the U.S. team. And he plays. Right. So he scheduled himself. He didn't play every single thing. He he had his roster, and so he's got like 12 or however many guys, and he's putting them in different places. And he played day one. He didn't play day two. He played day three. Whatever. I don't know what, his, what he played. But anyway, so he no, was, I think you're right. He played, the, he played first on this last day. So they have 12 guys going head-to-head against 12 world guys, one on each hole, one at a time. So he played first so he could be done, and then he could be a captain and right. kind of wait for the results and see what's happening. So he's on 17, and he's standing there with another guy who's an older golfer uh, who's like, I guess, his co-captain. I'm your captain now. <laughs> and uh, and so they're standing there watching this, you know, Matt Kuchar play this last going for this birdie putt to, to guarantee a half point which means they win and the guy putts we make it and you can I mean I thought Tiger Woods was going to start welling up <laughs> tearing up a bit um he he definitely was like giving the old double fist pump in the air and and he was hugging several men very very tightly and what I mean by that is, I mean, he was just really fired up. And, he, and you could tell easily. And then after the interview, they, did, he, you know, they talked to him about, you know, he's, he's done almost everything there is to do in golf. And this is, you know, this late in his career, this is another first. This is the first time he's ever been captain. He's won Ryder Cup and he's won um, President's Cup before, but yeah. not as a captain. And so, and he's just, you know, he, he looks a little bit on the edge of being choked up, but he starts talking about team and we did it together and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, they were into it. They were a hundred percent into it. And it meant, I don't know. I don't know the money situation. I don't know how much they get paid. Yeah. I don't know who funds this thing. I don't know if they win, they get more, they lose, they don't. I don't know any of that, but what I do know is that it meant something to them. We're talking about the best American players we have to offer and the best international, not counting Europe players, we have that they have to offer. I mean, this is everybody, and the top players were there. Well, this it, is going to make you even more impressed. Uh-oh. They do not give any prize money to the players. Wow. But every competitor gets an equal portion of the funds generated to charities of their choice. Wow. So that's even crazier. Why don't we have a golf podcast? Why are they doing better <laughs> than our sport? That yeah, that adds to even more of the mystique about the integrity and, and it's not and it's not put together by the players. I mean, this is an event like Davis Cup. And you never hear about somebody declining to play the president's I'm, cup i'm done with saying davis cup is a world cup of tennis <laughs> i want to start saying we're the Ryder cup or the president's cup of tennis <laughs> because it i and so by the fact that they cared i cared i was into it i watched and it was it would start in the afternoon 
U.S. time. And see, I would have loved that had I known. <laughs> right. And then it goes deep into the evening. Uh, you know, so you turn on the golf channel at 11 o'clock at night and it's like live and it's all sunny and you're like, what are you doing? Well, and what's, what should have made me realize that is I was, I was in a restaurant last night, eight or nine o'clock and it, the golf was on, which was already kind of odd that late. And, but then it said live and I thought, Hmm. And I thought, Oh, well it must be, you know, this must be the end of Saturday. Well, right. it was actually the beginning of Sunday. Right. And I didn't put that together until I read online. Oh, USA won. If you would just text me every now and again, <laughs> just one time, <laughs> we would have it. But I did just see the video of him making the putt and celebrating and then Tiger Woods I mean, Ty- reaction and celebrating. Genuinely, like, very happy and just pumped up and emotional. I mean... Well, you know this as a coach. I don't know anything. And I'm trying to remember... I haven't won much as a player, so I'm trying to compare. But I, I took, as we've talked about, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I took a ladies team to the national championship last year, and I was pretty emotional as that was ending, you know, as they were clinching the, the last win. And I'm trying to think about, you know, how that's compared to big moments where I've played and, and won something. But... um. I would probably say the coaching slash captaining aspect is more rewarding because really when you're playing, you can only do so much. And obviously Tiger, I don't know how much he's actually doing as the captain, but he's, well, he's I, impacting every, every matchup. Well, he is arguably... And he did both. He is arguably the best golfer in the history of the game. Right. Isn't that still amazing, though, that he hasn't passed Jack Nicholas? Like, I thought... Just by one, I think. That was a formality. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Well, he had a little run-in. <laughs> Literally. With an SUV uh. and a tree or something. Um, so, he is arguably the greatest player in the history of golf. And he is leading a team both on the course and as captain. You know, because he's he picks the players. Right. He's he's got you outside know, of the automatic qualifiers. Right. There's a process, but right. But he does pick the order. You know, so yeah. each day he's picking who play, the pairings and, and and you know he stressed a couple of times how he he trusted his guys and you know just whatever because they got the U.S. got behind early. Yeah. Uh, and we were behind on the first two days, but uh, a great comeback. But anyway, I. This isn't a golf co- podcast, but the reason I bring that up is because while I was excited, it was America, of course. Tiger Woods is a big draw, you know, and there is a connection with Tiger and Federer. Yeah. Because, you know, about five or six years ago, they were on Gillette commercials together. I mean, they weren't <laughs> and watching sh- each other and they weren't shaving each other or anything, but <laughs> they could have been. I don't know what they did on the off days, but. You know, so there was that that sort of not even not a rivalry, but camaraderie, right? Uh, between the you know watching in real time two of the arguably greatest ever, blah blah blah. To show. the point where it was actually a little bit weird to me seeing Tiger watch Nadal this year. Right? And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, has, yeah. he, has he changed allegiances He's here? He's cheating. Like, what's going on? He's cheating on Roger. Uh, well, Roger got married, so <laughs> but uh, so did Nadal. So it was just interesting. So I was watching that, and I was excited about the actual golf and my country and, and all the rest of it. But I was also watching, on the on the other hand, watching with an eye towards 
the things we do in tennis. And it just is a stark comparison to how many matches in tournaments and events that the big three in particular just don't care about. And that taints everything to me. Everything. And I can't wait until they all three retire. Well, it's even... That's a that's a big statement, but it's no even, no no. <laughs> I'm you mean for I'm not telling a joke now. Yeah, I'm done. I don't care how bad the tennis is. I'm done. I want every single player that's playing in every single tournament to be fighting to the death for that tournament. Right, and the the intensity is going to go up a notch because there's no ceiling there of getting to the finals or the semis, and that's good right. enough. Right. Well, and. It's funny because there was a a guy at my club today who hadn't played tennis in about 20 years. And I, he was not taking less from me, but he was on the next court, and I was sort of eavesdropping. He was talking about pro tennis, and he was talking about, you know, how it's changed and that kind of thing. And, and I went over and talked to him after he was done. And he goes, yeah, I'm ready to get back into it. I'm going to go sign up for a tournament. And I was like, wait, what? He said, yeah, I'm going to go sign up for a tournament. I said, those don't really, they don't really have those anymore. I said, they have them, but they're not nearly the appeal of what they once were. And I feel like it's even like that on the pro level. It's like, there's so many tournaments. There are many that are big and that people care about and that players care about. And there's so many that don't. So I told him, I was like, well, there's a big tournament and you know, one in Houston, there's one in around. I'm like, but I'm like, really outside of that, if you play, you're just going to play for fun and that's it. It doesn't really matter. Right. And I feel like that's translated almost from the top down. It's like, we've got these tournaments weekly, but they really don't mean anything and people don't really pay attention to them. And we have big one people care, but otherwise... I mean, we're sitting here dreading... We, we've talked multiple times, maybe not dreading is a little strong of a word, but uh, aware of the potential danger of having the big three retire. Right. What's going to happen to men's tennis? What's going to happen to tennis? I'll tell you what's going to happen to men's tennis. It's going to start to look like women's tennis again. It's going to be more competitive, more players... You're saying can- they're that bad. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, no, I agree with you, and I think so. Uh, but I want them all, like you said. I want them all three gone now. Cause just if, quit. Because if two of them quit, it's going to be worse. Yeah, because then it'll be it'll one be the one player, every time. It'll be one player only playing four tournaments a year <laughs> and winning all four. Djokovic will win three calendar Grand Slams in a row. <laughs> I. Because there's right now at least there, we have at least the mystery of which of the three is going to win. That's part of it. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I saw, I saw on Twitter. I'm sure it was on Twitter. Uh, somebody doing a prediction of the year in rankings for 2020. Which I we I told you my friend and I did that about four years ago. Right. Which is as as accurate as this one. Right. For this, if you don't have the top three. As the big three, right. then your ranking is ridiculous. Yeah. You're not some genius. If if it doesn't happen that way, okay, finally the bottom fell out. Right. But there's no actual there's no actual reason that the big three won't be the top three at the end of next year. Right. There's no injury, reason that would be it. Right. But I mean And that's the only time they haven't been. No, no, no. What I mean is you're making predictions right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no reason to make a prediction that doesn't have the big three at the top top three outside of you're just trying to wing it and take a chance and just guess who the next big thing is. So you look like the genius 
when really you're not. Lighten up, Francis. I know. I got. I'm get. I am getting <laughs> in it. But I, just watching the President's Cup compared to all the crap. Well, and it's like that year. It's empty. We had the U.S. Open, and I predicted. Kevin Anderson, and I tooted my horn, like, did I ever think Kevin Anderson was going to win the U.S. Open? Obviously not. I'm right. not going to go in any slam and pick anybody but the big three, but I did that because I wanted to pick somebody different just because I was tired of saying one of the big three. Right. And so it'd be, it's the same for 2020. If you're saying anybody else, you're just saying it just just to be different or to get attention. So w- what did you pick? Top five, top ten? We did our top five, but and keep who, in mind. Who are they? Well, in 26, I don't want to say, in 2016, yeah. we were listing who we thought would be the top five in 2020. Right. I understand. Oh, okay. So the end of 2020, year yes. in 2020. So I Number had, five. Well, I can't remember. I got. I don't remember the order. Oh, But I can on. tell you who the top five. We didn't actually do the order. We just oh, did five. Okay. Well, you give me those five. Yeah. On who you think, what the order will be. Okay. And well. Because we, we can, <laughs> no, no, no. Because we can do two things. We can laugh the fact that none of them are in the top five. I was going to say, yeah. And we can also find out, well, if you, you pick number five and he was the fifth lowest, so if he's 30. Right. And then your four guy was, you know, 28, then you got those two right because they're behind each well, other. Well, you're going to learn a lot based right. on who my number five is. All right. Here we go. Why I've got so much vitriol. Uh, it was Jack Sock. Oh, my God. <laughs> I now. <laughs> I, the list just now lost credibility. No, 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 no. It, it's you. There's nothing that could lose credibility uh, coming out of your face. No, but I now hate you more <laughs> for falling into that trap. I hate you more now than I hate Jack Sock because but that's disgusting. Just remember, at the time, yeah, he was. Up and coming, American. Oh sure, hyped up like crazy. Oh, yeah. Probably top ten or twenty at the time. He had he had gotten better every year. <laughs> yeah, like, I have twelve months to be right. Yeah, best doubles player of all time. But are you talking about doubles? <laughs> Is this so? He was my number five. Uh, oh, the top challenger point. Yeah, exactly. In the ATP <laughs> challenger circuit, who we both picked in our top five. The only two that we had the same were Team and Zverev. Okay, well, Which, I mean, they're probably still going to be there. Right, and at the time, you know, they were the two young... I mean, Zverev was already amazing at 19 or whatever it was. So right. I didn't think we were going out on a limb on those. Had you seen him volley at that <laughs> point? I probably thought it could They've only get better. better. They have gotten better. And then who I went out on, on a limb on was Murray. Because my that was, remember, he was number one then. Right. But my thinking at the time was Murray will grind it out forever. Like, he won't care how long he plays. He'll play forever. Right. This is pre-hip. We had no right. idea. Right. So I had Murray, and then the other one I had was Nishikori. So I didn't have Federer at all or Djokovic. Now, um, Nishikori, injury, that's something you can't predict. Right. And if he was 100% healthy 100% of the time, I think you'd have that right. And that was fairly soon after he'd been in the U.S. Open final. Zverev, and again... Zverev and team, uh, you know, I think you'll be right. When my assumption was obviously, because they were not in the top five, is that the big three would all be retired. And when you list their right. ages at December 31st, 2020, <laughs> I don't think anybody would have challenged that. 47, <laughs> 40, what are they? Four years ago, nobody would have challenged that. Oh, like these guys obviously aren't even playing at 38, 37, and 35. Right. Or at least they've declined some. Right. Um, so he had Djokovic in his top five. I had Murray in my top five. That was the only of the big four that either of us had. So neither wow. of us had Federer at all. And remember... I think it was around the time that Federer had dropped to like 15 or 17 and it all had dropped. It was when they made the Australian Open final and they were both like lowly, lower right. seated. 
So oh, we thought that man. was like the last two raw. But if I had to... I don't I, care about any other picks. Jack Sock wins this <laughs> podcast. Not this episode, the entire podcast. But if I had to do it for four years from now, I'm putting the big three in the top five. <laughs> I'm keeping them. Man. Um, four years, no. I, Certainly not. I wouldn't think. But again, I didn't think it four years ago. I mean, has there ever been a guy that was 38 in the top five at year end? I don't know. Maybe Ken Rosewall. Maybe. Um, but anyway, back to your topic... To me, there's two issues that tennis cannot equal in regard to the President's Cup. America sucks. Right. That's one. It didn't take long to figure that out. And two, the history of it. Now, there's not as much history with the President's Cup, but there's enough where, to me, it's hard to just start a new event and make people care about it. People even being fans. Well, we just did. No, I know. Essentially with the Davis Cup. Right. And I mean, Labor Cup. No, no, no. That's dumb. That's not real. <laughs> That's not real at all. Well, Labor Cup, you're right, already has the tradition there. Labor, I mean, you mean Davis Cup does. Davis Cup, sorry. Yeah, so Davis Cup did at least one thing. It made it, it attempted to make it fresh. Right. But it still carries, well, I, for lack of a better term, gravitas of of, you know, what it has been. Outside of the fact nobody cares about it. So aside from, <laughs> aside from that. But nobody did before. So right. nothing that happened this year changes any of that. Well, to me, the and you can say World Cup, obviously this must not be a main factor because of how popular it is, but the problem with Davis Cup in relation to the President's Cup is Davis and President's Cup, there's going to be one winning team and one losing team. So like you have to pick an allegiance one side or the other. I mean, unless you're just casually watching it for entertainment. Right. But I mean, Davis Cup, the problem is if your allegiance is Uzbekistan right. and they lose the first day, how dare you? Your interest level is going way down. Sure. Now, you might still watch. Right. But the interest Actually, level. Actually, it's even worse. If you're not from Uzbekistan and they win, right. then people less people care because less people are from. I was trying to think of the main capital of that. <laughs> For $1 million, yeah, can you name the capital? I, I bet you I can find it. Turkmenistan, which is probably a different country next That's to it. That's another country. Um, but no. The, Didn't you see Borat? <laughs> it's Kazakhstan. Um, no, no, but he named all the... Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, like this year, we got somewhat lucky. Second Borat reference within the last month. Yeah, but this we, we got a little bit lucky with Davis Cup having Spain and Canada. Not that Canada is a tennis hotbed, but at least it was well-known You know, players. It could have easily been, you know... Argentina versus Japan, which are much less, much less uh, tennis powerhouses, and I think that's the problem: is you're you're dividing your audience every round. Whereas I feel like Presidents Cup, Ryder Cup, they're gaining. Like I guarantee you, the viewership for the final round is way higher than the first round for Presidents Cup, and I right. bet Davis Cup goes down every day. Maybe the finals being on Sunday, maybe not, just because the yeah time of day but right well but, anyway i listen we can get into the details of davis cup what they should and shouldn't do to make it better etc and continue to grow it but all all that i cared about getting across in this podcast is that the old 
grizzled veteran, but also arguably one of the best players in the world who's done everything and apparently didn't get paid for this whole shebang was emotional, not to the level of winning the masters or the British open or whatever, but visibly clearly demonstrably excited, emotional, all the rest of it for this event. And Nadal was the same way for Davis Cup. Now, why isn't every single player the same way for Davis Cup? Well, and I was going to be the devil's advocate and say, but coach, did you not see how the players celebrated when they won the Labor Cup? And I wonder what punching you would sound like (laughs) on the microphone. And with Federer, like he basically owns it. So it's a completely different motivation Again, I'm not saying that. Yeah, he was cheering before. He was cheering when he saw they had a sellout. He was <laughs> right. like, "Yes!" I'm not saying he's way more money money motivated than Tiger Woods, but I mean that in itself is going to make him care more about it than. But he does some random event. He doesn't care about winning or losing, no. though. That's the point. But uh, look, I think that type of reaction to an event, if we saw that a lot more about Davis Cup. I think that elevates Davis Cup, obviously. Right. But I think it elevates the sport. And that same sense carrying over into the rest of, you know, the season, the calendar, if you will. And golf's got a jacked up calendar just like we do. So right. now it's obviously it's a lot less physically physically demanding. Um but still small injuries can still have a pretty big impact on a player. Um, cause it's so technique heavy, but I don't know. But I, I think one of the issues that tennis has too, is I feel like the top players are almost looking at these events as like a checklist on their resume. Like they all have won. I think it all has won more than one, but the others, like you said, that don't care as much. They've all won their one Davis cup and they're like, Oh, got my one Davis cup. I go, I got my one Olympic medal. Yeah. I got my, like once they right. get it, they don't care. Whereas President's Cup, Ryder Cup, it's a big deal every time. Right. Like, I guarantee you, Nadal will not play it next year with the same zest he played with it this year. Every two years. Yeah. That's a minimum. Which is another thing we've talked about. Right. Making it better. Every two years. So. But I think that, like, the fact that Djokovic has won Davis Cup once, I don't think he necessarily cares about, about it, definitely to the level of if he never won one. So, with all that being said, am I crazy saying that if the big three retired tomorrow we could now start to rebuild the men's door no i think i think but i think you use the right terminology the only reason i'm dreading it is i know for a fact that viewership will drop tremendously but in the short term right right right. but i think that interest should should rise gradually just because of the unpredictability now of tennis which is what one of the fun things about it well what's one of the first things that somebody's going to say the first australian open that the big three aren't in it which one of these young guys is chasing history right which one (laughs) shut up why can't they just play the australian open for what it is yeah and if they end up catching history talk about it then or talk about it when it's sort of close but we've had the same talking points at every grand slam for the last 20 i mean it's you know is federer going to is Federer gonna was Federer gonna pass Sampras? Was Federer gonna get to twenty? Is Serena gonna catch Margaret Court? Is Serena gonna, is Nadal gonna catch Federer? It's like the same 
how about we just like go into one and say which person's going to break through and or, win a slam or who's going to play some good tennis in this match right. are these two players going to play good tennis in this match i think they by trying to make everything sound overhyped. historically significant it's, Over, it's not overhyped and i know you teasing when i bring this up but that's something they've done in wrestling and boxing for way too long this is the greatest card we've had ever in history and then see you back next week it's like every every show can't be history making or monumental like sometimes it's just let's hope we get great ma- and we would get greater matches by the way i'm so tired of these prime time Federer versus Schwartzman and Federer wins two, three, and one. Like, I'm so over those primetime matches. It would be nice to get some competitive matches. I right. mean, no, we, we tease it, but it's, it would be it, nice seeing Vera versus somebody like that because we know it's going to be a tough match. That's one of the absolute main reasons the Dallas Cowboys are on primetime so much is because they don't ever blow anybody out. It's always down to the wire and then they screw up and lose. Well, I think somehow. that's also train wreck factor. No, it is. Yeah, but you're exactly right. You you tell me on, you know, in the first week of a slam, the first week. Yeah. So everybody's still in. The big three are going to play schmoes. And right. They're going to go. And they're going to take every stadium court and every primetime. No, no. Would you let me finish for the love of all? <laughs> you have somewhere to be? No. Um. You know I don't. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> the first, you know, Monday, Tuesday, whatever at the U.S. Open because night matches are a big thing there. Right. So if week one, Federer, or no, let's do Djokovic, and give me somebody a qual- qualifier. Yeah. No, no, we'll use Federer because everybody likes him more. Nobody likes Djokovic. <laughs> so Federer versus a qualifier, two, one, and two. Right. That's the score. Mm-hmm. Federer wins. Or two guys in the top 30 who don't have any ridiculous-looking deficiencies you know, so, right. you know, whatever, and you put them on, and it is a knockdown drag out. Yeah, like a Fonini versus Pear type. Yeah, thing. and it's and it's you know six four, you know two six six two six, you know four sets or five sets. Right, where one or two of the two of them go to one break four six four six five or a seven five or a breaker. Tell me. If you could place a person, you know, in front of the TV for the Federer match, and then you quiz them after they're done, or, you know, new reality, so the first one never happened, now you put them in front of this one, so they don't get to see Federer uh, blow somebody out, but the way they feel and the the way they would sort of um, express or describe what they just watched with that knockdown drag out between two top 30 guys... what are they going to say? What is the description going to be after the Federer match? Oh, Federer's amazing. Right. He's definitely the best ever. Just beautiful strokes. Oh, yeah. Best player ever. He's my favorite player. I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to describe the other match? Oh, man, that first set was amazing, and then he let off the gas. And, right, can't believe he missed that shot yeah, at whatever Benoit time. Pair and his beard just came back, and, <laughs> and then he shaved his beard after he dyed it blonde, and then he... The point being is they're going to have a lot more superlatives in in the memory. It's going to be a way better payoff right. for that knockdown dragout. Now, I'm not saying take two guys in the top 250 right. in the world and play each other. That would be exciting for me. Yeah. But I'll tell you where the problem is. And this is not self-serving, although it's going to end up being. <laughs> I'll tell you where the number one problem is. 
the commentators are not telling the viewers what to watch and what to look for and why something is compelling. The reason You're these two players, right. they're not painting the picture and telling the story. Where is the Dick Enberg, you know, of today? Well, and I know you love when I say this since I don't listen to ours, but I listen to it when I'm here. But I'm listening to this other podcast. You live it! And this guy who is, he's a former TV producer, he says the absolute number one job of commentators is to set the scene and explain why this is important. Right. And at Perrin Fonini, they would never do that. Right. They would say, Federer's trying to win his 812th Grand Slam match, or he's trying to win, you know, he's trying to win his 65th consecutive second round match at the USO. You know, it's like stuff that who cares? Like right. 64 versus 65, who cares? But you got Paris trying to make the third round for the first time ever, and he's played Fonini the last six times. And like, to me, that's way more interesting. I want to, or could be out, interesting. And I want to sit down with, you know, Pear and say, you know, hey, wh- what do you, do you even care? Right. The, the fact that you can't make it past the third round in the last six months. Yeah, or why have you lost out. to Fonini the last five times? Right, or you know, nobody likes Fonini. How old were you the first time y'all played? Like, you they go in with nothing, nothing, and and well, again we talk about they? why would John McEnroe put one minute right of of prep into what he does? Why would why would BG Tennis Nation put one minute into prep? No, he wants to walk around and use basketball metaphors and <laughs> you know uh, wear his hat backwards and tell me nothing. Well, and when you said there's the main problem, that the one thing that I think is the biggest problem is that that Federer match versus qualifier is probably going to get bigger ratings than the Fonini and Pair, which is what just drives me insane. And it shouldn't. No, I know. And if and if we were doing it right, not we, if they were doing it right over time, it wouldn't. Right. It I, wouldn't. I want them to go away from that match when it's six two four one. Right. That that should be done. Right. Like I don't care anymore about that match. Up a break. And now we're going to a match that's a knockdown drag out because and, well and here's but here's the downside you go to that match and it's like crickets right because the commentators don't even know who these people are. When what's funny is they'll even show the stats on the screen. John Macro's the worst. Djokovic I hated her so much. I don't hate John Macro, <laughs> and he's not a her. I don't think I don't know how he identifies, but that's the only thing I had you know. <laughs> involving hate. That's but, from uh, Clue. There you go. What a fantastic movie. But even was. like, they'll even flash the stat on the screen. Djokovic is 171 and 1 when he wins the first two sets. Then why are we watching it? Like, we don't need to watch the third set then. Who was he playing when he lost the first one? Oh, Federer. <laughs> right. Oh, he's not playing Federer. Right. Let's move he on. He broke his ankle that match and, you know, had to retire in the third oh, the set. The wind was blowing 40 miles an hour. <laughs> but so that kills me even more. It's like, oh, man, I'm sure glad we're watching this. And see, but there, it's the same with boxing, which I keep referencing, but the Floyd Mayweather fight in 2020 is going to get way more buys than the two top contenders in the same weight class that are going to have an amazing fight. Well, pay-per-view buys. Because it's, yeah, because it's the name. It's all these studios and networks care about is name recognition. They think as right. soon as you see Federer on the screen, you're going to stay and watch. Whereas I will watch for about 10 minutes and I see it's a beatdown and I don't care anymore. Yeah. That's what, you know, we talk about this from time to time that a lot of tennis is boring now on the men's side. Right. Well, that's why. Yeah. That's why. And, and part of it, yeah, the commentators are awful. There are some good ones out there for sure. I like Courier. I like Mary Carrillo. Yeah. And what's funny too is why do I need to see Federer's 
first three matches, I'm going to get to see him in the second week. I'll get to see him the entire second week. All the people that are going out the first three rounds, that's why no one's going to know any players and by after the way, they retire. And by the way, I promise you, okay, if he happened to lose and it wasn't a night match on prime time, I promise you that's not going to be an event that everybody's sorry they missed. Right. Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson was a, a, a I saw that fight. Did you? Yep. Because you were there's that wasn't very many people that did. I don't think. Yeah. Because it was in Japan. I thought. Well, I didn't. I wasn't there. <laughs> no, I know. Pay per view, right? But that was an event yeah. to see Mike Tyson lose. Right, right, right. You you lose matches all the time in tennis. It's not a big deal. So right. it's like we're not missing anything. No. Now, if it's your last match, so like when Agassi lost to Benjamin Becker. And it's your last that was match. Must see TV. Your last match ever. Right. Fair enough. We want to see that. We don't want to see it, but we want to see it. Um, but I think there's such a contingent of people. I'm just saying, there's nothing to be scared of about not showing a Federer match. Well, if he's if he loses to some qualifier, who cares? It doesn't mean anything. And I have a I have no problem if Federer's up a set and a break, and he loses that break back, and now he's serving at four five. I have no problem with him cutting back to that match. Right. Like, hey, we've had a development on the next court come back and that gives you more opportunities for storytelling like right better was up and this happened and now and, you know about how are you ever going to know about the two guys in the top 30 playing each other you're right. never going to know no because they're showing three people right and you only i mean it sounds like a lot but you have 12 hours of coverage in a day that's really three or four matches right uh, even even lopsided matches it's, right slam sure so there that's why and then add in women's matches, so it takes up right. more time. That's I why mean, tennis is going to fail when these guys retire. Because they're not doing it right. Yeah, because nobody's going to know who these other people are. And no one's going to want to watch these other people, not because they're worse, but because they're not going to. Uh, somebody's going to turn on Zverev. Who's that? Do you know? Here's what the sound of the, t- the big three retiring sounds like. Because they're not ready for it. <laughs> right. I think you're exactly right. That's a, the one good point you've made. <laughs> On the 150-plus episodes we've had. Well, what we hope is that they retire because they're losing to these young guys. And so then there's a transitional period where these guys are replacing them, not just they're tired of winning and they retire. They're going to... Yeah, but even then, they're going to show those three players to the bitter Well, look how they do with Venus. Look how they do with Venus. Right. She hasn't been a Grand Slam factor for five years. One final, I think we talked about. Right. So, but they show every match of hers. Right. Now, part of it because she's American, but it. You're right. Federer could lose first round of the next four slams. They will still show the entirety of his match in the in the fifth slam. Right. Um. And again, maybe they they're getting huge ratings every time they show Federer, but they're not I, looking at the long term picture. I can't name ten golfers. That's not <laughs> true. I can. Um, I don't watch golf all that much. I watch the majors, certainly. Um, and if it's really cold and rainy outside and they're playing in somewhere like Hawaii, <laughs> I'll watch right. because, you know, I'm longing, kind of like the joy of watching the Australian. Yeah. Later. But if somebody's playing well, I mean, you can tell. Yeah. And to me, tennis is the same way. I, I mu- Every time I turn on the TV and it's a big three player dominating somebody, I just sigh. I mean, it's just like... I agree. And even though the way I watch tennis, I, I fast forward every time. Right. I record nothing, so I don't have that option. And I, I will always prefer a match, like you said, with 
you know, two guys, Monfi and Songa, you know, two guys that are around the same, like, God forbid that they are evenly matched. Like, that's what I want. And they should know that just from personal experience. Nobody wants to watch a baseball game that's 12 to 1. Nobody wants to watch an NBA game that's 102 to 75. Like, it's just, it's just, I mean, that's why the NFL games turn over if a team is too far up. I, yeah, I, I think these people, these tennis people, overestimate and maybe they don't maybe the numbers show it but they're not they're not very forward-looking i think they misunderestimate yeah baby that's, good. <laughs> that's a real word i think they misunderestimate the power of a high level of competition with a high level of skill and the top two top 30 guys uh sorry that they're name they're not you know name the big three or four uh, it's still a pretty high level of skill, you right. jackasses. Right. Well, to the opposite, oh, I wanted to bring this up. Did Women's you tennis? see? <laughs> Sorry. Did you see the video that came out this week? I think it was the very beginning of the week with the worst pro tennis player in history. No, I got to send it to you. But a what? lot of controversy. How did they find you. <laughs> a lot of controversy involved, but there was a guy who somehow got into a pro tournament. Speaking of Uzbekistan, it was somewhere obscure like that. And they had him, they have video of his first round match. And the video only goes like the last three games, which is 12 points because it was a golden match, 48 points to zero. Wow. And the guy, I will promise you there are people you've taught that have taken their first lesson ever that are better than this guy. What? Yeah. And so there's like betting allegations there's all kinds of stuff oh, involved my goodness but you've got to just google like worst tennis player worst pro tennis player ever and you'll find it but it's a hilarious video of a guy so in other words the main point of the story my dream is back on well i can still get on all, the pro tour we need a slower roll that's going to be our entire <laughs> podcast next week so i will watch that and we'll discuss um, it. i thought we turned nothing into something we did yet again yes yet again we keep campaigning for the shortened season and we don't realize a disaster <laughs> it's a disaster right. for us yeah but i'm willing to take that hit if it's for the betterment of the game yeah because it'll make the in season moments that much greater by the way let me circle back to where i said it was going to be self-serving to talk about how awful the commentators are get us on the sideline as yeah. we're in the booth right I, I guarantee you we could do a better job. Probably not our first go out. Probably <laughs> right. not. Yeah. But eventually we'll be better. There's no doubt in my well, mind. Well, I think it's a little bit of what you said about the players. The first thing that makes somebody better is that you care. Right. Like you said, McEnroe doesn't care about 32 versus 37. No. Um, and like you said, he has no reason to because he knows they're not yes, going to spend any time. Well, he just doesn't. He doesn't. He can't get around his own ego to realize why he should care because it's for the betterment of the sport that made him rich and famous. Well, my favorite is when they pull go to a match and the commentators don't know how to pronounce someone's name. I'm like, you got 128 people in the draw. I guarantee you got a media guide with pronunciations of right. everybody's name. Phonetically. Um, and it you know, makes, I mean, it does add to the funny, oh, ha, ha, this guy's so obscure, I never heard of him before. Like, it'd be amazing if he won. But, but it's disrespectful as all get out to a guy who's who is barely surviving out there, working his tail off, uh, you know, trying to scrape together enough money and prize money to keep his career going, and these idiots don't give it the respect they deserve. Well, That's why I, I like people like Courier, right? Who was number one in the world, and he seems like he's into it every match he does, and he's a little 
dry, maybe yeah. a little. You know, he's not a lot of flair, right. but I that's okay. But I still think I said you, that's okay as I look directly <laughs> at you with no flair right. and no pizzazz. Not one. But I think if you made me list my top 10 favorite storylines of the last decade, I promise you Marcus Willis is going to be one of them. Because to me, that was the greatest, you know, having him play Federer at the second round of, of Wimbledon qualifier, you know, they had a meeting the Snickers. I think I made up the Snickers part, but drinking the RC Cola on the sidelines right. uh, of a challenger like a week or two before we played at Wimbledon. Like to me, that... Those are the kind of stories that should be drawing attention. I mean, and the Coco Golf story is going to be everybody's top five. Like, I'm not going to put the... Yeah, but that's only a story... That was only a story to commentators because it hit them in the face. Right, they had to. But there's a lot of stories that they could dig and find out. the Because every match, all 64 matches have a story. All 64 right. matches in, in uh, you know, obviously 128 with the women yeah. and then doubles, they, they, no stories in doubles. <laughs> well, well but, there's one story in doubles. <laughs> Thank God the singles players aren't playing. <laughs> well, and tell me which match is more important, Willis versus Federer or Federer versus Nadal 47. Who oh, wins right. Federer and Nadal 47 is not going to change anything about either of them. Right. If Willis beats Federer, that's going to be the biggest thing that ever happens in that guy's life. And, and a lot of people that were there, it's going to be the biggest thing that ever happened in their lives from a from a sporting event perspective. Right. So, I mean, and I'm not saying they should hype every match that Federer plays against a no-name, like it's the biggest thing ever, but I'm just saying they're not putting their energy on the, the stories that have the potential to be the biggest. Well, Wimbledon, call us. We're not ready for the Australian Open. I haven't cleared my calendar. Ah, yeah, why not? We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, we got nothing in January. Hey, you know what? And with technology, we could literally do it from this studio. Right. In Dallas with the TV on the screen or we just watch it on our phones. We'll be, you know, minutes behind probably. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I'm going to talk one more thing related to TV coverage. We get into this every slam, but here's what I don't understand why they can't do. Okay, you want to show Federer. You want to show all three of his crappy sets. How about as soon as Federer's match ends, you start a match that was on another court from five all in the third. Don't go to the booth yeah, and talk about nothing for 15 minutes with Chrissy and her, never mind, uh, you know, about nothing. But what I'm saying is don't oh, talk about that match. Don't right. say anything. Don't flash a score on the bottom of the screen. Right. And then as soon as Federer's I match see. is over... You started the tape at five all in the third, right? And you go to that because I guarantee that's better than watching the first game of the next beatdown that's going to happen on center court. Or, yeah, or they could also with Directv in particular, but they could do this online, right? How about it like a red zone channel? Exactly. Like football has a red zone channel where it's just constantly popping back and forth when teams the get important in the red moments. Zone. Yeah, right. So you get past three all, and there's a break point. Past three all, and there's a break point. Right. Whatever court it's on, bip bop bip bop bop, go. And just go to it. Because to me, one of the dumbest things when they go to the next court, oh, it's match point on this court. I'm like, great. I get to see one point well, and of the match. you know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, because they're showing the last point. Uh, right. It's uh, like... So I don't understand why they can't say, we're going to show you this match, how this match ended. It's 5 all in the fifth set. We're going to... They need to have editors on site in the truck cutting up matches. Right. You know, show these people. Show and You're going to have lulls in your coverage. Like, right. And if people are that serious about it and they're looking online and they want to see the score, that's fine. You're not showing it anyway, so what does it matter? Right. 
like if you show a taped from five all that's still better than anything else you have to show right that's not in that kind of moment in a match yeah and say hey this is court 28 right we're gonna go back you know we're you know, don't go to your phone. You're going to find out the result, but yeah. we're going to see how this fifth, fifth set ended at, you know, from four all. Yeah, these two just went to a tie break, and it was incredible tennis. I mean, that's actually a benefit to you, too, is you know that it's good. Right. Like, live, you're reliant on, on the entertainment to be good. When it's taped, you know. I think everybody's right. caught up in the lie. Like, right. obviously, I'm, I'm saying this um, probably because I do everything this way, but... It doesn't need to be live because to me, it's going to be live. I'm going to watch it. And unless I'm sitting there with my phone, which if I'm doing that, why am I even watching the show? Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't things like that. I don't get. And you'd, like you said, you'd rather sit in the studio and talk for 30 minutes when there's matches going on in crucial moments. Do they realize we don't care about them? No, I don't. They don't. They definitely don't. And by the way, the absolute thing I care about least in sports, not tennis in sports is post-game interviews with players. Oh, right. I could not care less about those because they're all the same three questions, the same three answers. When they're interesting, that's fine. But again, tape that, and then if it was interesting, show it. If it wasn't, we could be watching tennis. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. (laughs) None of them went to broadcast school. That's the problem. They all went to just, oh, I'm a player from the 40s. Yippee. How do you think you turned it around from when you were down a break in the third? Oh, you know, I just started to really focus. I wanted to play better. You know, it's like the the, the most generic right. answers and questions. I'd rather then ask. Here's what I no, I would say. So it looks like uh, in that third set or the fifth set, you really turn it around by focusing and uh, <laughs> making more shots than their opponent than your opponent. Right? Uh, is that about right? <laughs> I would just answer, ask, and answer yeah. everything. Like, what are you going to eat? I'm going to. I would ask, what are you going to eat for dinner tonight? Or you know. How are you going to beat Federer tomorrow? You've lost to him 17 times in a row. No, I wouldn't ask that. Well, they're not going to give an answer anyway. I would say, do you think there is zero chance or 1% (laughs) chance you're going to beat Federer tomorrow? There's no chance you believe it. Because it would have happened now. He's 40. Right. And you you haven't beat him yet. There's no chance you believe that's going to happen. So really, what are you going to go drink tonight? Yeah, is what I care right. about because you don't you're not going to try it. I would ask stuff. I mean, again, interviews with Coco or somebody like that who we haven't heard from fifteen hundred times, then it's a little more interesting, maybe. I would get punched a lot on on the court side <laughs> by asking questions. You know, we had uh, we had a guest on the show, Blair Henley, and that's what she does. She does the interviews post match, right? And we, I don't know, she she does that at a lot of different tournaments, you know, a handful, more than a handful probably throughout the year and uh I think she was at Davis Cup and other places. And I you have to I don't know. I don't know how you come up with how do you make it fresh for yourself? Right. I'll be falling asleep asking my own questions. Well, and you know those players don't want to answer them either, especially if they just had a big win, they just want to get out and celebrate. Right. But they already got to go into the press conference and answer those same three questions again <laughs> and and more. Tennis is doing it wrong. They're doing it all wrong. There's a lot of, and again, none of these are hard. Like none of these are hard to fix. Well, there's a, there's a, there's something that people call, you know, the traditional wisdom or whatever. You yeah, know, the conventional wisdom. Conventional yeah. wisdom. And sometimes that just means tired old, same old. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, mix it up. Do something different. Let's get crazy. Um, when everybody's afraid to lose what they have, like we don't want to lose the ratings we have, 
so let's keep doing what we're doing we can't no that you mean we don't want to go above or below 17 million players in the u.s <laughs> ever again we're good with 17 million right, right. on point i promise you we're not going to lose them by not showing roger fetter's first round yeah i well, and then the, the rare times they do show somebody, they want us to care about them. And I'm like, why should we? You're not going to show them in the next round. You don't care about them. Why should we? Yeah. You haven't cared about them for the first, what else? yeah, exactly. You've got them on an outer court where the camera angle sucks. You've got nobody commentating on that court. You've got no information about the person or the opponent. Right. But you want us to once, suddenly care. Once again, the answer is and has always been, just give us the keys, we'll drive. Yeah. Just give us the keys. We'll fix it. But what we're not going to fix is this podcast. So let's end it there. We stretched quite a bit of time out of nothing. We did. Zero tennis matches this week. That's impressive, I must say. And we'll have the same task next week. Who knows? Something big. That's why I'm watching the, the watching the, all the online the just apps and stuff, the news tennis sports apps and stuff like Come on, come on, please, somebody go on a shooting <laughs> spree. I want one. I want a. I want a player to go rob a bunch of banks because they can't make it on the Challenger Tour. Right. Then we'll have something to talk about. But if you want your friends to hear what we talk about, if you have friends, because if you listen to this podcast, it is doubtful. Uh, go to our Twitter page, Tennis Rev Pod at Tennis Rev Pod. We'll send out a tweet with the new episode so people can download it or whatever. You obviously know where to find it. You're listening, uh, unless you're just like leaning into somebody else's phone trying to eavesdrop. <laughs> I mean, that's fine, too. Get it how you can get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, go to Tennis Rev Pod on Twitter, Tennis Revolution Pod on Instagram for no particular reason. Um, our, twi- our Instagram followers have stopped completely except for random like sales type ones based on who I follow. So help us out. If you're not following us on Instagram, let's, I want to get up to 500 Instagram followers, which should not be a, uh, hard to do. Uh, well, I guess, <laughs> I mean, based on the amount of listeners we have, it shouldn't be right. So I don't know. I, like I said, I guess we got to do some Kim Kardashian business. I don't know. Do you sell any lipstick or earrings or anything? <laughs> no. I was going to say I could sell some as high quality as the ones they sell, but no, (laughs) now we're going to lose listeners. Um, so go, yeah, go to those two places, follow us, whatever. And then when you get stuff from Twitter, retweet it. Facebook, does anybody use Facebook anymore? Mm, I don't know. I mean, a lot do. I think they do, but they don't like to admit it. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, shuffle us around on Facebook, do what you do over there, share it and what have you. And, uh, anything else? That's it. Thank goodness. Until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, guys.